Today's scripture comes from Psalm 22, 1 through 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Our second reading is from John 16, 25 through 33. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in me name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and I'm going to the Father. His disciples said, Yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Vicki. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Monica, one of the pastors here alongside uh, Pastor Emily and Pastor Jeff, and I am grateful to be here this morning. For the past few weeks, we have been walking through our Soul Care series. Our soul care, what is underneath the surface of each and every one of us, Those parts of us often that um, we hide or we're not sure what to do with, um, that we try to dress up. We're pretty good in the morning about getting up, perhaps getting dressed, maybe fixing our hair, shaving, putting on our makeup. And those are things that we do um, to present ourselves on the outside. This series is about how do we make ourselves well and heal and be resilient on the inside. For the past couple of weeks, Pastor Emily um, has spoken about grief, those times in our life where we lose something or someone that we love dearly, and we have to process that loss. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about anxiety and depression. These are conditions that we know an increasing number of people, children, adolescents, and adults are living with. Conditions that um, impact our, our emotions and our ability to think and process and relate in the world. And today we're going to be talking about another area that has impacted many of us, and that is the area of trauma and traumatic experiences, both big and small. So before we go into that message, I invite us to just have a word of prayer. Holy and loving God, Lord, we thank you for not staying far away from us, from being removed, from being somewhere out there or up there, 
but for putting on flesh and for walking among us, for being fully human and yet still fully divine, for experiencing, Lord, the realities that we experience here, realities that are full of grief, anxiety and depression and hurts and traumas. We pray, Lord, for everyone gathered here, for their families, for their relationships, and for those areas in their life, Lord, where they are experiencing any of these realities. We pray that your word and your spirit be real and be powerful, that they be present and that they be comforting. Help us to be present to you this morning. Remind us, Lord, of who you are and who we are, Lord, in relationship to you, to one another, and to all of creation. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I sat in a darkened room watching the mother, Gloria, and her three-year-old daughter, Tilly, through a one-way mirror. They were doing great together. Gloria was tracking with Tilly's cues, much more in sync than in previous visits. Both appeared more comfortable with each other. Over the two years I'd been watching their visits together, there had been so much positive change. On my left was Tilly's new Child Protected Services caseworker, her fifth over the last two years. On my right was Mama P, the child's foster mother. I'd known Mama P for years. She was a loving woman with an endless reserve of positive energy. She had fostered dozens of children, each special, each loved. Gloria, Tilly's mother, had been removed from her family when she was six. She struggled as she grew up in the child protected systems, bouncing from foster home to foster home, school to school, community to community. Gloria had multiple complex social, emotional, and physical health problems related to her many traumatic experiences. Unfortunately, she had been misunderstood by everyone, her therapist, foster caretakers, caseworkers, judges, Teachers. 20 years ago, awareness of the impact of trauma wasn't very high. By the age of 18, when Gloria aged out of the system, she was using a variety of drugs to self-medicate her pain. On her 19th birthday, she was eight months pregnant and homeless. By her 20th, she had an infant daughter, no support, no family, no work. Ultimately, the child protective system removed Tilly.
Gloria and Tilly's story spoke to me this week as I was preparing this message on trauma, because the more that I have come to learn and understand trauma and its impact on our brains and our bodies and our relationships, the more that I have realized that so many of us still, so much of the world, much like Gloria's foster parents, caseworkers, teachers, therapists even, often misjudges trauma's impact and imprint on human beings. Gloria, obviously, was not a bad person. She herself was a victim of complex trauma, and she was severely misunderstood and didn't have any of the resources or relationships early on to help her heal. Gloria's initial traumas, the one that she experienced in her, in her first environment, abuse and neglect, and then bouncing around from home to home, caseworker to caseworker, those initial traumas resulted later on in additional traumas. And then eventually generational traumas as she passed along her own wounds to her daughter, Tilly. These trauma wounds within Gloria resided deep underneath the surface. And yet, anyone looking at her as she grew up and eventually aged out was likely, we heard, unable to see beyond the surface and the behaviors. Why was she acting out? Why was she being aggressive, perhaps? Why was she self-medicating? Couldn't she just make better choices? Wasn't she able just to see that she wasn't helping anything, not only herself, but others? But the reality is, was that her behavior was simply the way that trauma was manifesting and multiplying, unchecked and unhealed. Trauma is a beast. And the scars are often invisible to the naked eye. Many people walking around with trauma scars look completely healthy, happy, beautiful even, on the outside. But trauma is also a beast that unfortunately many of you are familiar with in one way or another. Now since the word trauma gets thrown around very often these days, I thought it would be helpful to start with a definition. What are we even talking about when we talk about trauma? Dr. Dan Siegel, who is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA and also an expert in trauma awareness, defines trauma this way, that it's, quote, an experience we have that overwhelms our capacity to cope. Trauma is an experience we have that overwhelms our capacity to cope. Our capacity, our mental capacity, our emotional capacity, our spiritual capacity, our physical capacity. Trauma is an experience in which our bodies and brains are presented with something so overwhelming that they can't make sense of it in real time. They can't stop it from happening. They can't hide from it or otherwise defend against it. And then every single one of our brain and our bodies, mechanisms that are, that are built within us and designed to protect us, every single one of those mechanisms gets overrun. And we don't have the capacity to cope with what is happening. 
When I say trauma, you might tend to think about big traumas, um, such as those sustained in combat, natural disasters, an unexpected damage or destruction of a home, a life, or a relationship. You might think of directed violence, neglect, tragically losing a loved one, a limb, or even tragically losing a clean bill of health. There are other kinds of traumas. There are medical traumas. There are emotional traumas. There are spiritual traumas. There are relational traumas. There's also secondary traumas, the kind of trauma that caregivers often sustain while trying to help someone heal from their own trauma. Trauma is anything that overwhelms our ability to cope. And there's not necessarily a concrete formula for us to be able to determine what kind of experience might, be, might leave a trauma scar for you, but perhaps not you. We don't have an exact formula. Dr. Dan Siegel says that an experience that might be traumatizing for one person might not be for someone else. For example, if you are a race car driver and you drove cars at high speeds for a living, and not only drove cars at high speeds, but were accustomed perhaps to getting hit and flipped over and over and over. And then you were out one day and um, doing a grocery store run. And let's say you even get hit by a tanker and your car flips over. Well, that experience might not leave a trauma scar on you because you have already been conditioned to cope with that kind of impact. However, an impact like that may very well leave a trauma scar for me or you if your daily existence does not involve driving cars at fast speeds and getting flipped over. You might very well end up with a scar or post-traumatic stress. Let's say an infant comes into the world and doctors decide, recognize that that baby has a heart condition and needs immediate surgery, perhaps multiple surgeries. This child is not yet at a place where they have a voice or a say or agency over their being. And this medical procedure is necessary to save the baby's life. Well, that child very well could end up with trauma wounds similar to another child who experienced, experienced directed violence at them, intentional violence. Now, that doesn't seem very fair, does it? And yet, that's often how trauma imprints itself on our brains and our bodies and on the relationships around us. Trauma sometimes just doesn't discriminate on whether or not the victim was traumatized at the hands of someone who is trying to help and heal or at the, someone that, at the hands of someone who is trying to cause hurt. Trauma is a beast, and sadly, it has only been in recent years, perhaps not even a decade. Dr. Um, Perry, in, in the video that we heard at the beginning of the year, said the past 20 years. But I would say it's probably been in the past decade where trauma-informed approaches and awareness and education and healing have become more accessible. When I began learning about trauma out of necessity about 10 years ago due to how we were growing our family and the multiple traumas in our home, 
There was very few resources available and even littler understanding about what was happening. It's just so easy to look at the behavior. There were so few asking questions about what's happening under the surface. What is driving that behavior? What can we do about it? And so I started writing articles. And my intent in writing articles, um, I didn't give away personal information, no names, no um, no genders or any kind of identifying uh, information. I was writing articles trying to connect with other people, families that are living a similar reality. Are there any other parents out there that are experiencing this? And as I wrote these articles, something strange began to happen. I began to get contacted by social service agencies, foster care agencies, adoption agencies. And they're asking me if they could reprint the articles that I was writing in their newsletters for their clients. And I was so confused. I'm like, but, but you're, you're, you're the expert. I'm looking to you for resources. I'm just reaching out, looking for resources, answers, help, community, something. And they said something along the lines of this each time. But, but you are the resources. You are living this. And it was then that I realized there was a lot of work still to be, do, still to be done. This was real-time awareness and education. And it was happening like right under our feet. But God, God is good. God is so good. And this work to understand trauma in real time, in real life, coincided with my own time in seminary. My theological understanding, my gaining an awareness of who God is and who we are in relation to God. And as these two things happened simultaneously, it was almost as if God was saying, I am not going to let you separate your understanding of trauma from your understanding of who I am and who humanity is in relationship to me and the work that I have sent Christ to do and you all as disciples to continue doing. God would not let me separate my understanding of trauma from my understanding of God's work in this world. Now, our gospel passage from today, if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, feel free to pull back up John 16, 25 to 33. Our gospel, that's our gospel passage for today. And it's a passage that I almost always use at funerals. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture because it's a passage that reminds us of Jesus's ultimate victory. It's a passage that reminds us that we will have traumas and tribulations in this world. At the end of that, in verse 33, it's Jesus saying, you know, I'm sharing these things with you. This was before he goes away, so that you may have peace. In this world, he says, you will face persecution, despair, distress, trauma, oppression, crushing. But take heart, I have conquered or overcome this world. So I always use that passage in funerals. However, this week, as I was preparing this message, God gave me a completely different image to build on. God gave me the image of a child being born into the world and the sensations of the birthing process, not from the perspective of the birthing mother, but from the perspective of the innocent in the process of being born new life. And so I went with that. I said, okay, God, let's, let's go with that image. 
And God seemed to be showing me how each and every one of us enters this world, not just how we leave it, not just what happens between that first and last breath, but how we enter the world is in fact a traumatic experience from the very beginning. Could that be a setting the stage for the world that God has sent us to occupy for this time being? And I just began to think, why? Why would God do that? Why? Why would God have an innocent life enter the world in that way? In a way that takes this innocent baby from this quiet, dark, warm, sheltered bubble of a womb and then endure hours, sometimes days, of that traumatic rupture of that safe and warm place. Imagine this from the baby's perspective. Only to end up out here in this mess, in a world that is full of lights and noise and polarization and destruction and hurts and danger, and then death. Why, God? I wondered, why would you do that? And I don't think we'll fully understand that while we live and breathe here. I don't. However, I began to think that perhaps it's along the same line of thought as the reason that God showed us his love for us the way that he did on a cross of all strange places. The way that we enter the world is traumatic. The way that Christ entered the world, traumatic. Not really a cushy existence. But God showed us a love that is different from the rest of the existence that we experience in this world. This was a love that didn't return evil for evil or harm for harm or hurt for hurt. This was a love that showed us something greater than trauma because I don't, I can't think of, I mean, I'm sure we could, but that is a pretty traumatic way to have your life, your human life, snuffed out. But that cross showed us a love greater than that kind of trauma and even death. And the cross showed us something else about our existence here. It showed us how to endure and to overcome, but not escape. Jesus, who is God, did not escape the trauma. There's something in that mystery for us. Because the cross itself points to the life of Jesus. And Jesus is God, a God who did not stay removed from us, but came here to experience the things that we experience, which very often are full of pain and harm. And, and traumas. And Jesus showed us that this is the reality in this world. But that God's kingdom, the one that Christ came to usher in, that is here and will eventually be completed, that that kingdom is one that is full of connection and compassion and mercy and forgiveness and warmth and love and togetherness and belonging. That kingdom is one that loves sacrificially and creates beauty in the most unlikely of places. It's a kingdom that does not condone harm and also doesn't repay it either. 
And so I think that is perhaps one of the reasons God gave me the image of the birthing process this week, along with John 16, while preparing for this message on trauma. Because that process is one that is full of hurt and danger and pain and confusion and sometimes even chaos. And yet somehow, at the exact same time, in the exact same space, in the exact same moment that all of that is happening, it is also a process that is full of love and hope and potential and connection and new life and new promises. Trauma, at its core, is an experience that creates literal fragmentation. When you're presented with something that you don't have the capacity to cope with, a wholeness is fragmented. And your brain and your body are trying to make sense of what they can't make sense of. And so the traumatic piece kind of fragments the other pieces of you. And it exists within you, but disconnect it from other parts. And it causes a whole host of other behavioral symptoms, nervous system um, responses, all sorts of stuff there. It fragments our capacity for wholeness. Now, what we've learned over the past decade is that healing from trauma, if we want to heal from these traumatic experiences, which can and does happen, that healing requires human beings to take the fragments And to begin to learn how to integrate those experiences into the overall picture of who we are. And as Christians, as people of faith, I would say, of who God is. And how do we exist in this world in relationship to God? So trauma involves fragmenting and healing involves integrating those experiences. That's the definition from the trauma-informed world. But isn't it also the gospel story? Isn't it also the story of God's kingdom breaking into the kingdoms of this world? A story that takes the broken pieces, the pieces that we have as individuals and as the the world at large, and promises that those pieces will be redeemed and reconciled and created new. Isn't that the gospel story? One of integrating John 16, my funeral passage, it turns out, is actually a passage for our entire lives. Verse 31 in John 16 says, and I'm going to read this as the gospel passage, but I'm going to read it through a trauma-informed lens. Do you now believe? The hour is coming, Jesus said, indeed has come, when you will be scattered when you will be fragmented, will you, you will be disintegrated, each one to his home. You will leave me alone. We'll be isolated. Yet Jesus says, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus is demonstrating a, a unity, a oneness. And then he says, I have said this to you so that you may have peace. A weird thing to offer, to be throwing out in the middle of all of these other words that are talking about essentially destruction. And then he goes on to say, in this world you will face persecution, affliction, trauma, oppression, crushing, distress. 
You will face it. Not you might, but you will. But take courage, Jesus says. I have conquered the world. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words from Psalm 122 are also the words that Jesus cries out on the cross. There is nothing that we will experience that Christ hasn't already experienced in the flesh. Jesus takes our scattered, fragmented, traumatic world, one that's full of loneliness and hurts and confusions and separateness, and invites us. That will be our reality in this world, whether or not we are people of faith. But the gospel is good news, and the invitation from Christ is to see that reality for what it is, and then embrace the story that God has given to us. And one that says, yes, I see that reality, but there's also another reality right under your nose. And that is one of hope and integration and belongingness and connectedness and interdependency and an ultimate conquering over all that is harmful and disintegrated and traumatic. Christ offers us an ultimate conquering over all traumas and wounds. From the beginning of our lives until the time that we take our final breath, we will endure traumas, some greater than others, and I don't think we'll ever know why that is in some cases. But we have been given in the gospel the assurance that no matter what we are going through, have gone through, will go through, that Jesus already knows, has already experienced it, and can yet still somehow offer us a peace that we will not find in this world. Because, he says, I have already conquered this world. My final thought is that when we think about traumas and wounds and scars, very often some of the most Traumatic things that happen to us happen at the hands of other human beings, whether it's relational, emotional, physical, spiritual. The gospel is also a story through the demonstration of Christ that some of the greatest healing that we will ever experience in this life also comes from relationships, from belongingness, from connectedness. That story of Gloria and Tilly goes on. It has a little bit of a happier ending. Um, And if you're interested in following that story, you can do so in that book, What Happened to Me. Jesus has promised us that there is nothing that we experienced or will experience that he has not already himself in the flesh endured and has offered us peace.